Good to see you all. If you've not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here. Very warm welcome to you. Please grab your seats. Please grab a Bible and go to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We will get there momentarily. Before we dive in, I just want to commend the festival to you. Um, We as a family are booked in. I even filled in the form just now while while Matt was speaking. So please do that. Um, we've been going as a church since the festival began uh, many years ago. We went as a church when we were tiny and we had just started. There might have only been 20, 30 of us who went along. That included the kids. My children were so small that we bathed them in a plastic receptacle. Just That was like, we need to bath them. I just, we put that, put some warm water in it and bath them. And then we put one kid in after another. Um, and we had a little conveyor belt of small children going through it. We had a fantastic time. And when you go, let me tell you this as a church leader, when you go to something like that and you give up, or it's a bank holiday weekend, you don't even have to take holiday. When you go, God does more in a few days than he does in a year of Sunday meetings because of that condensed time and being together. So if you can get there, please do. Please, I just encourage you. It will be a great uh, time. The investment will be returned a hundredfold because that's the way of the Lord uh, and his goodness. When you commit to him, he blesses you. All right, what we're going to do today, um, we're back in our series, sermon series, Hashtag Bless, which we began a number of weeks ago. If you've missed any of them, please catch up there all online. What we're looking at is Jesus teaching from the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, known as the Beatitudes. And what we're looking at is the world can tell us very loudly what it means to be hashtag blessed. Just go on social media or just listen out. I've heard people just talking about this. And the world says you're blessed when you get stuff, when you go places, when life is good in inverted commas, and that's what it means. New job, new home, new relationship, new car, new holiday, whatever it is. But actually Jesus says something very different. And he describes what it truly means to be blessed by God. And that's what we're looking at here. And we've seen that Matthew in his gospel has set up Jesus to come to proclaim his kingdom. He's the new Moses that's coming to lead his people out of slavery to sin and to death. And as he begins the message, he he's proclaims it in several chapters. We have what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And he begins that in the first few verses describing what it means to be blessed as part of God's kingdom. And we've looked at this phrase blessed and where it comes from and what its meaning is. And it means to flourish in the kingdom of God. What does it mean to flourish in the kingdom of God? What does it mean to be blessed in God's kingdom? And we've gone back to the psalm, Psalm 1 verse 1, where we've read that blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted in streams of water that yields his fruit in season, his leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. So for those who are going to grow healthy and strong, they're going to flourish in God's kingdom, Jesus outlines this. And he outlines in the Beatitudes, which is from the Latin beaters, which just means happy, blessed, or blissful. And we've gone through them, and we've seen that there is a link and there is a flow to them. And it begins with recognizing your poverty of spirit, recognizing that before God you have nothing. And we found out that I'm hashtag bleds when I recognize my need for Jesus. 
And it begins there. I need to recognize my need for Jesus. And then we found out after that, that as a result of this, we mourn and grieve for our sin. And we found out I am hashtag blessed when I grieve the presence and effects of sin in my life and find comfort in God alone. And this results in an attitude of humility before God because we know where we stand before him. We found out I'm hashtag blessed when I walk in humility and I'm content with who I am and what I have. And this results, we saw last week, in a hunger and a thirst for God. We want more of him. And so I'm hashtag blessed when I am desperate for more of Jesus. Which brings us today to the fifth beatitude, which we'll find in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. And what we're going to do is we're going to read the whole section, in, whole section together, and then we're going to hone in on verse 7. So it should appear on the screen behind me, but I will lead you in reading the Beatitudes together. So, you've had a warm-up with all the whooping earlier and the singing. So, big loud voice. Three, two, one, go. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. All right, big idea this morning. I am hashtag blessed when I receive God's mercy and show it to others. I am hashtag blessed when I receive God's mercy and show it to others. So we're zeroing on verse 7 this week. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. We're going to look at this um, verse in two sections. Uh, Matthew is going to come in just a moment and take us through that first part. Blessed are the merciful. Then I will pick up after him, and I will look at the second half. For they, the second half, sorry, for they shall receive mercy. So over to you, Matthew. Hello. Oh. Hi. Uh, my name is Matthew. I'm married to the uh, lovely Eleanor. Uh, We are, well, I am serving on ID this year, which is an internship where I'm getting to learn more about God and serve here in the church. We have the privilege of leading a life group with Johnny and Abby, and I also serve on the youth team. So I know there are a few of you from the youth work in here today, so it's lovely to see you guys. So, what does it, hi Tim, what does it mean to be merciful? In our culture, mercy can be seen as a sign of weakness and softness and that mercy might be irrelevant because the only person I need to care about is me, right? But the Bible paints an image of mercy as being beautiful and incredibly important to the extent where 
it should be something that defines who we are in Jesus. But what is mercy? The word in the Greek is eleemon, which means merciful, to show compassion, to have pity on someone in need or who has wronged you, showing grace and forgiveness to them. Commonly, uh, mercy can be seen as forgiveness, but it's got an extra dimension to it. It's mercy, sorry, it's forgiveness, but with generosity with it. Um, so I'm, I'm going to have to ask for a bit of mercy from you guys today. I've uh, been quite sick the past couple of weeks, so my voice is sort of struggling a little bit behind. So uh, some grace would be brilliant. Uh, when we receive mercy, we're receiving something that we don't necessarily deserve, something that's, that's given to us. In fact, this word, eleemon, which is translated to mean the merciful, could also be translated as the merciful wants. This specific group of people that there's something about them that defines them as merciful. Uh, they're not just partaking in that, the odd, uh, on-the-whim mercy, where they're just kind, like, oh, you know, I'll be, I'll be good today. But they are merciful. It's when, when you go to describe, like, a friend to someone else, it's the first word that would come into your mind. Now, merciful is not so much in our vocabulary these days, but it, it is with this, is that these people are merciful. Something has inspired them to show and shine their mercy uh, and to the point where that has become what identifies them as people. Now, we're called to this level of mercy, this not occasional mercy, but this constant and abounding mercy. Now, that is a high standard of mercy. And as with all things good, we need to look to God uh, because he is the ultimate standard of the mercy that we strive towards. Some of you may remember um, just over, I think, a a year ago, we looked at his name, which was a series that we did looking at Exodus 34, 5 to 7, where God proclaims his name to Moses on the mountain and tells Moses who he is but also expounds on his name. It gives us one of the first insights into God's character and who he is. Exodus 34, uh, verse 6 says this, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. How amazing is that? At, at his core, God is merciful. This is possibly one of his most fundamental characteristics. He leads with it. It's the first thing that he says after his name. It is such good news that our God is merciful. The word that is translated to mean merciful here is the Hebrew word rahum, which means merciful and compassionate. But there's an extra layer here. That word is rooted in the Hebrew word for womb. This, to to the hearers and the readers, of this in the Hebrew world, that would have sparked thoughts of motherhood, the tender love and care, that infinite, unconditional love that someone has for an infant, a mother with her newborn. So that's the sort of depths of God's mercy. Uh, This sort of mercy is so countercultural. We live in a society where revenge and vindication for wrongs done to us are seen as good 
and that they should be sought out, that we are supposed to have that vengeance and that we're, that we're owed it and that signs of forgiveness and mercy could just be seen as weakness. But we need to praise God because that is not how his kingdom works. God is merciful and if he wasn't, we'd be in a lot of trouble. Uh, if, if God sought after every injustice equally, then we would be in a lot of trouble. If we can come to grips with what God's mercy is like and how deep and how far it goes, we can understand what it really means to be merciful in God's kingdom so that we can flourish properly. God is a merciful king. So, of course, his kingdom would be one that is merciful. God has shown his mercy throughout history. We don't have to go very far in our Bible till we, uh, till we start reading about God's merciful acts. One of the more extreme examples of this is the whole book of Judges. We get this, uh, a people who only a few generations ago uh, were uh, coming out of Egypt. Their grandparents or great-grandparents would have seen the, the plagues of Egypt, the parting of the Red Sea, God's coming powerfully. Uh, but we see the, this people turning away from God uh, turning to idolatry and sin. Uh, but, but God comes powerfully with judges. He delivers them and saves them and brings them back to him, knowing full well that they'll turn away again, and they do. God's mercy is abounding for them. Time after time, he gives his mercy, and it's not an impatient mercy. Uh, you know, he knew that they were going to turn away again. Uh, but, but nevertheless, his patience and his mercy and his grace were abounding. Over the weekend, uh, Ellie and I went on a, to a, sorry, to a conference uh, for 20-year-olds in uh, Catalyst. And as I've, as I've said, I've been feeling quite poorly and I've been up a lot of nights uh, coughing and been getting very little sleep, some nights not sleeping at all. But on the, the very, uh, after, after the first talk, a woman came up and brought a prophetic word about someone that is um, not sleeping, struggling to sleep. And that, that God was going to give them a mercy and uh, give them some rest. And I thought, wow, that would, that would be great. Especially seeing, you know, not, not in my own bed. Uh, but it, it happened. I was granted that mercy and God came on me, I fell asleep very quickly, which is not, not normally how that goes. Uh, but I want to encourage you that God's mercy is working today. That even in the small things like rest, but also in forgiveness. God's mercy towards us through Jesus is the greatest example. In this series, we've been uh, learning what it means to be hashtag blessed. What it means to be men and women in God's kingdom. When Stuart and Ben looked at uh, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, we learned that we have nothing good to offer spiritually. We've only bad to offer. All we bring to the table is our sin, our shortcomings and a broken heart. <coughs> in our spiritual poverty, we realize we can't earn God's favor. Oh, our only out is to come before a king and ask for mercy. 
we must come to understand the depth of God's mercy towards us in forgiving us. A mercy so deep that God humbled himself in Jesus and took himself to the cross. Jesus dying for our sins is the greatest act of mercy we could ever imagine or ever hope for. The depth of mercy that brought us total forgiveness and generosity for a people that are so undeserving. When we see uh, that mercy that was given to us in Jesus, we can understand what it means to be a merciful people. A mercy that lays down everything for others. Jesus was the perfect example of how to live and flourish in his kingdom. And following his example is how we can be hashtag blessed. But following his mercy can be very challenging. It's a, it's a high bar and we, we can't do it alone. Firstly, we need the Holy Spirit. We need Jesus on our side if we're going to be this merciful. Jesus was kind to those around him. His mercy extended to his friends, but also to those that opposed him, to, to the Romans, to the Pharisees, people that were actively seeking to shut him down, to cancel him, if you will. Uh, but he offered them kindness and forgiveness, even though they worked against him. His needy extended to the poor, to the sick, to the lonely, to the destitute, but also those that, did, that weren't struggling. We are called to that level of mercy. Uh, but we can only do it through Jesus who strengthens us. But what does, what does mercy actually look like for us? It could be looking after the lonely. Uh, statistics show that, that the generation that's coming up is the most lonely. Uh, and that doesn't mean that older generations aren't. But people are struggling with loneliness and anxiety at a much higher rate than anything else. Spend time with them. Make them feel loved and cared for. Part of a community. It, it could be praying for others in situations or stepping in and offering care. It could be helping others with something they're struggling with, like exams, mock exams, work, the collapse of friendships, of relationships um, that they're struggling with. It could be financial stress could be forgiving people that have offended us and wronged us or done something we wouldn't agree with but we are to show mercy in the way and the knowledge of how we've been shown mercy through Jesus okay cheers right back on all right, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, merciful for they shall receive mercy. And we've seen, uh, when we've looked at the previous Beatitudes, there's exclusive language here. For they will is for they and they alone. So blessed are the merciful, for they and they alone will receive mercy. And so what is that about? What does it mean to receive mercy? Why is receiving mercy so important? What is Jesus driving at here? Well, thankfully for us, he's told a story about this that I am going to read to you, which will hopefully illustrate the point vividly. Jesus told a parable in Matthew 18, later in the same gospel, that highlights this point in response to his disciples asking him a question. Um, and he said, um, Lord, how many times have I really got to forgive someone? This mercy thing's great, but how many times? Is there a limit to that mercy? To which Jesus says to him this, 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Read, a billion pounds. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold and his wife and children and all that he had and, made, and the payment made to him. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, hundred pounds. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he could pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. And the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in his anger, the master delivered him to the jailers until he could pay all his debt. And so what we've got there is a shocking story from Jesus. I just want to pull out a few things there to kind of ground this to me. First of all, we need to recognize our need for mercy. We've got the kingdom of heaven, which is how the Beatitudes began. We've got the king of the kingdom. Who's that talking about? Jesus, he's the king of the kingdom. And then we've got a servant with an unpayable debt. Who's that? That's you and me and everyone. And so what does the servant do? The servant cries out for mercy. I can't pay that debt. It is just too vast. If you gave me 100 lifetimes, I still couldn't pay off the interest of that debt, let alone the capital payments that I need to make it is just far too much for me and it's where that where the Beatitudes began in recognizing our poverty of spirit and so we need mercy just like that servant mercy cannot be earned it cannot be earned it can only be pleaded for the servant couldn't pay the debt so we had to cry out to the master for mercy so I just I literally cannot pay it There is no way, and so I cannot earn it. And so he cries out to the king, and the king says, I will release the debt. And then we get to the real kind of kicker at the end, is those who receive mercy need to show mercy. Because what did the servant then do? He then went out and found one of his colleagues who owed him, relatively speaking, a very small debt tiny, insignificant compared to what the first servant had been owed. And his response to him is not mercy, but condemnation. It says, I mean, it's graphically horrible. It says, what did he say? It says he he choked him. I don't know if that's a choke hold or a throttle, but it's pretty horrible in his response. And then the master finds out about it, and you get verse 33. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? So what does this have to relate to this parable we're talking about here? What we're pointing out, Jesus is blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall receive mercy. The point is, those who have received mercy 
from God will show it to others. This is something, isn't something we strive for. This is not like we've got to earn for this, work hard, do it. Mercy isn't something you strive for. Mercy is something that should overwhelm you. And when we recognize the debt that has been paid off that we owed, when we show it to others and the insignificant debt they may owe us or that they may have or that it may cost us to help them, we pay it freely knowing what we've been set free from knowing what we've been covered from. We recognize that enormous debt that has been cleared by the mercy and grace of God and we show that to others. And so when Jesus is saying, blessed are the merciful, flourishing are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, he's basically saying those who've received it will show it to others, therefore they are qualifying themselves to receive more of it to continue walking in that. And it's not like you've got to hit hours. When I was a student, I had a a job where I had to fill in a timesheet. Have you ever had one of those jobs where you punch your hours and whatever you filled it in, you got paid. And boy, did you work it out because you knew what your hourly rate was. You knew how many hours you'd work. You time it up and you got that. And I made sure I got that money hit my account from the temp agency at the end of the week because I knew how much they owed me. Mercy doesn't work like that. Mercy isn't something that you build up. Blessed are my merciful. Have I hit my mercy hours this week? No. A mercy is like a doctor's health chart that's saying, what is the trajectory of your recovery and your life? Are you showing mercy? So it's not something we've got to try and hit. Have I hit, you're thinking, have I hit my mercy hours this week before I come to church to make sure God is showing mercy? It's no. What's the posture of your heart? What's your health signs? What's your vital signs that when the doctor, the physician comes and looks, what's coming out of you? What's you leading? And so we are to be men and women who show mercy to others because we have been shown mercy. And what that does is it shows that actually the mercy of God has affected us to a point it has transformed us so that we can pass it on to others. It's not something that we strive for, it's something that overwhelms us. It's something that compels us to see others. When we see others in distress, when we see others in need, we recognize that we were the ones in need, and so then we show it to them. Not as a self-righteous, we've got the answers, but actually, do you know what, we were in the same mess you were in. In fact, our mess was bigger than yours, and so we are now going to offer up mercy to you. We are going to show you mercy. So blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And so as we show mercy to others, we're just evidencing the grace of God in our lives. And then when we return to God ourselves for mercy, it's freely available, freely given, because we are transformed by it. And so when the king looks on us, we're not choking out someone because they owe us. We're freely showing it, and the king commends us. And the king blesses us, which is what Jesus wants of his servants. The question was, how many times should I forgive that prompted that parable? And they were like, seven, that's a good amount. And what did Jesus say? 70 times seven. It was like a vast number, numbers of completeness. And he's saying, actually, we keep going and we keep showing mercy to others around us. And so the come back to the, just the reminders of the point is those who have received the mercy of God will freely show it to others and that's how we flourish in God's kingdom because God's kingdom is a kingdom of mercy 
where we love and we care and we show forgiveness and we show for compassion to those who are struggling around us. So let's just try and apply some of this before we finish and we're going to worship, worship that. Do you want to come and just do that first bit? So, have you received this mercy? Uh, some of you here may not be Christians yet. You may not have uh, found a relationship with Jesus, but this mercy is open to you. God is willing and able to show you his mercy. <clears throat> Jesus died on the cross and rose again to show you his deep mercy to you. If you don't know Jesus yet, but would like to, I'd love to talk to you at the end because this mercy surpasses everything. Some of us here uh, might be struggling to feel worthy of God's mercy. You might be dealing with guilt and shame over things that have happened or things that we have done in the past or things that are going on now. But God's mercy is a free gift to us. And it's far greater than any wrong we could have done. And I know that God wants to bring deliverance over sin and shame. He doesn't just forgive us. He's generous. He redeems us. He restores us. He makes us whole again. He is so generous and loving. Many of you here have children. Uh, as, as some of you might know, Ellie's pregnant. And the love I have for that child is, that I've not even met yet is already overwhelming. So I can't imagine what it's like for you guys that have got children that, are, that you can see and touch. But that, that love, God's love, is even greater than that. We are called to receive this mercy so that we can live a life abundant with mercy. And this involves receiving it daily, coming before God and accepting his mercy. So have you received that mercy? Okay. Last question, and then we'll finish. Who can you show mercy to? Who can you show mercy to? Because blessed are the merciful, flourishing are the merciful. Those who want to flourish in God's kingdom are to show mercy to others. And I just need to sort of say this out to you here that I want to commend you, Real Life Church, in this area. Um, I have had the privilege of being your pastor for a long time now. And I've seen this mercy in action amongst this church family, to those inside the church family and to those outside the church family, those who I know you know, colleagues and neighbors and people, your friends. And it is a privilege to see the grace of God evidenced in your life as you show mercy to others. And so I want to start by saying... I recognize it in you. I recognize that you are men and women who have received the mercy of God and therefore show it to others. I've seen you show mercy to people when they are hurting and in need of comfort. I have seen you be generous with your finances year on year with those who lack. 
um, what they need. I've seen you sacrifice your time and your talents to serve others and help others out uh, in this church family. I've seen you open your homes to welcome in strangers and people in need and serve them. I've watched you offer friendship to those who are lonely and those who are new, who turn up and just don't know anyone, and we all know how awkward that can be when you go into a new environment. I've seen you forgive and reconcile with others when things go wrong. I know this about your homes and your lives and your families and your neighbors because I've just been around you for a long time. And I just think it is a privilege to lead you. Um, But in light of that, Hebrews 10 verse 24 says this. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Not neglecting meeting together, as is the habit of some. But encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Can you see where I'm going? You start with the, you guys are amazing. Now let's stir you up to keep going in all that God has called you to. Because, can I be honest? Some of the other Beatitudes have gone so far, I'm kind of pretty good with. I think, yeah, I can, I can get my head around that. When it's blessed are the merciful, it's like, really? Can I take a pass on this one? Because this one's hard. This one's hard. Showing mercy to people, it requires something of us. It requires us to put ourselves out. It requires our time, our energy, our talents. It requires our humility. It requires our finances. It requires forgiving debt. And that could be a financial debt. It could be a debt of forgiveness. Now, that doesn't mean that what they did to you wasn't horrible and mean. We're not excusing it. But actually, us to forgive them is the releasing of debt. To show mercy to them is difficult. And so what I'm just encouraging you now at the end of this sermon as we dwell on this and as the spirit comes and rests on your heart who can you show mercy to what is the situation or situations in your life that you are thinking about now that God has put on your heart what are the moments where you need to show mercy where have you been in danger of choking someone out like the servant, not physically, I hope, because then we'll have to call the police, but sometimes emotionally, psychologically, we can be doing that because we're refusing to show mercy in that situation. Who do you know who is hurting, lonely, broken, and in need mercy to show up? What is the situation in your home, in your school, in your workplace, in your relational network in which you live, where there's an opportunity to show mercy. What's going to happen this week as you enter the new week, the working week begins tomorrow, where you're going to have an opportunity to show mercy, to forgive, to show compassion, to show pity. And particularly on the people who aren't crying out for it, I also find it easier to show mercy when people are crying out to me for mercy. Sometimes when they're not and they don't want it, it's harder to then show it to them when they're still being mean. Just being honest, you obviously don't find that hard because you guys are too amazing for that. That's just me. But I'm aware that 
we are, if we are to flourish in God's kingdom, if we are to show the world that we have been transformed by the power of God, mercy is a hallmark for us. As we give, as we serve, as we love, as we follow the model of Jesus in our lives, as the great merciful one himself, who is it that you need to show? What's the situation you need to do? Some of you are taking notes. Write something down, jot something down. Talk about it in life groups. Where do you need to move forward in this? Let's, let's respond to this. So do you want the band, do you want to come up? Do you want the, the rest of you, would you stand if you can? I'd love to pray for you in this moment. What, what we're going to do now is I just, I'm going to pray for you and lead you in prayer. But what I also recognize is you, almost, you can't do anything now because you're standing here listening to me. <laughs> but what you can do now is make a decision before God. What you can do now is change the posture of your heart that will then in turn lead to action. What you can do now is choose to receive the mercy of God that he has shown you so that you then in turn can pass it on to others. And so what I'd love to do is just pray with you now and we'll worship and we'll sing and we'll see what else God's got to say to us. But I'd love you to make that kind of stake in the ground, build the altar stones, whatever it is, whatever image helps you to say actually out of this then I will go and I will move into action this week. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you came and you revealed to us the Lord, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Lord, we thank you that you made the invisible visible to us. Lord God, we thank you for your example. We thank you that you came in humility, that you walked in obedience to your Father, and you showed mercy to those around you, to the poor, the broken, the hurting, the outcast, the sick. Lord God, to those who would attack you, those who would seek to kill you, you chose to forgive and showed them great mercy. Lord God, we thank you that you've shown mercy to us, that we are recipients of your mercy. That debt has been paid by your death and resurrection. We sang about that. The walls are gone. The prison is broken. And Lord God, we, we want to say, we want to be men and, women, men and women who are merciful ones. We want to be men and women who do not strive for mercy, but are overwhelmed by it in a way that transforms us. Lord God, we ask you open our eyes today to see the mercy you have shown us in forgiveness of sins, in reconciliation with you, in adoption into your family, in filling of the Holy Spirit, in being transformed into your likeness day by day. And Lord God, with all these situations we're thinking about, all these things we know that are going on, we pray, Lord, we ask God, we ask you give us grace to be merciful, to be generous-hearted, to be men and women who look at situations and people with pity, with compassion, with mercy, and with a desire 
to do something about it, Lord God. Forgive us when we've choked people out over debts. And Lord God, give us our hearts to forgive debts. To forgive those around us, to show mercy and grace where is needed. To seek reconciliation, Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. God's people said...